It's the 13th of December. Welcome to the Soccer in Theory podcast with Rehan Ahmed and Mark Jay. I'm Ashwin Bajaj. And together we'll be discussing and reviewing the quarterfinals that have passed and previewing the semifinals over the next 48 hours. You can follow us on the Soccer in Theory podcast, available both on Apple and Spotify, and also on our website, soccerintheory.com. Uh, considering Rayan's written a mini dissertation on the first half of Japan-Croatia, it'd be criminal not to start with that. <laughs> Two very surprising results. Well, not very well, surprising enough results. One extremely close-fought quarterfinal, which thankfully resulted in the right result. And well, France, England, I suppose, could have gone either way. It's perhaps fair to say that the slightly better team lost in the end. Um, Anyway, well, Japan, Croatia, Brazil are out. So my prediction that Argentina-Brazil semifinal will yield, yield the World Cup winner has been <laughs> reduced by half now. <laughs> like, I wanted to hedge my bets a little bit, but obviously Croatia had other plans. What do you guys think of that game? Yeah, I think Mark is the only one who predicted that Croatia would win. So good on you, Mark. Um, Thank you. I, Thank you very much. Well done. Uh, I, I, I did predict that it would go to penalties, but uh, the reason, <laughs> yeah, but but it didn't really turn out the way I thought. Um, I thought it was interesting that they decided, uh, Tite really decided to change things up in a way that um, that didn't help Brazil. I thought what they've been doing, they really like this uh, tactically having this five across the front line. And they do it all. The, they've done it in qualifying. It's very attacking. It's nice to watch. But what was different today was that there wasn't any depth. And when that five across the front line becomes really flat in possession, I think they're just... Um, uh, you have defensive players with the ball at their feet trying to pick out a pass that isn't... You're, you don't have much of a combination. So what they had was Neymar and Paqueta dropping in at different times and Pakita didn't play his best game. Neymar did some amazing stuff, scored one of the best goals of the world cup history. Yeah, I'd say, um, but the, one of the main, the main thing that stuck out from the very beginning is that um, Danilo was played in possession. They played with a back three and had D Danilo, the right footed left back, go into the double pivot role right next to Casemiro. And so the issue is that Danilo is not Joe Cancelo. And so a lot <laughs> of their build-up issues just came from him not being able to find the pass when Paqueta and Neymar checked short, not being able to shift it quickly, having no left foot, uh, but not having an awesome outside of the right foot like Joe Cancelo. So, uh, so as a result, Vin Vinny Jr. was up high on the left and not getting the ball and so so yeah it was very difficult for them in build-up they created some chances but the other issue was outside of possession when Croatia had the ball Brazil tried to press high and their press was terrible and mm -hmm. Croatia just played right through them they they played nice triangles shifted right to left uh Kovacic got really cheeky you had a bunch of back heels from Kovacic. You had yeah. Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric just shifting it all over the pitch. Uh, and yeah, this team is it's a very, very good Croatia team. And especially when Kramaric is up top, they 
they're technically fantastic. Uh, one of the weaknesses I think is are their fullbacks, and Juranovic, the right back, had the game of his life, and <laughs> so he's a Celtic right back, and neither for Croatia or otherwise for Celtic have I ever seen him play anywhere near as well as he did in this game. Um, and the other, the the left back position between the two, uh, they managed, but other than the center mids. Gvardiol is just fantastic. Yeah, seriously. Um, I mean, in the summer there was he was linked to Chelsea, linked to another couple of places, and his value has definitely skyrocketed. I think this is one of the World Cup must have helped because my God, he looked incredible repeatedly, just dribbling through the Brazilian forwards. Uh, defensively, was fantastic, winning tackles. So made Dayton Lovren look really good too. Um, yeah, he did. So. So yeah, I think Croatia were uh, were really good, and they just didn't have the final ball was kind of lacking for them. But the same was true for Brazil, and it just uh, like to some degree it was like with Spain. If the pace of pass isn't there and that rhythm isn't there, then a high possession team um, is going to have difficulty making chances, unless. Um, you know, eventually someone like Neymar drops deep and plays a bunch of one twos, and um, so yeah, that was. But the, tell me, over one twenty minutes. Just one one question yeah. though. I mean, with all this, is in the end okay? There was a moment of brilliance, and Neymar managed to break the deadlock, and this is not uncommon in in knockout matches or um match, and also matches between um, bigger teams. Even though um, arguably this is. I suppose they are in, in a way, I mean, on current form. But what I was, I mean, the thing is, they only did manage one shot, and that was a deflected goal which went in. What I didn't understand, I mean, looking at, okay, the moments of the match, why four minutes before you've booked your, I mean, before you're, you're four minutes away from the semi final, and you have a four on four situation towards the mm-hmm. end where they're scrambling back and the guy actually has a yep. shot, a free shot, like yeah. it wasn't. It was a poor yep. shot which got deflected. What the hell's going on? Like, what sort of naive. Throughout, way? yeah. This is another thing. They just didn't give Croatia enough respect. And yeah, on the counter, absolutely. they were getting. They, this wasn't. Even though they, they didn't have other shots on goal they had a number of chances from like yeah. well worked counters and really well then, worked counters yeah yeah and so like there's yeah you, know, you have that's another issue with having Danilo high when eventually at one point he switched to a 442 in defense and had Danilo just at the left back and even then when they when they were when they broke when Croatia broke they just had no idea what they were doing Brazil it was like swiss cheese and so eventually you're right at that point i don't understand up one now is your time to drop some bodies back uh casemiro was way too high and then he lost out he went in for the tackle on modric and then they uh they played out of that right and so it was almost yeah, like Kovacic was breaking an the away goal or something you know at the end <laughs> yeah yeah i mean Kovacic was breaking the lines in the midfield very easily as well um so in that sense it was like it was a little, little bit of disrespect from uh from Brazil against Croatia, and you could see Modric and coaches kind of like they were up for it, and um, yeah, it was naive from them, I think. 
Yeah, I was when I was watching, I was thinking it would have been a perfect game for Bruno Gumarish. I mean, I know he doesn't get mm-hmm. in the setup at all, but I thought they needed another deep line passer to create different angles. Danilo, as you mentioned, in that inverted fullback or whatever, it seemed just a case of blindly copying Pep for no yeah. real reason. <laughs> I was like, why are they doing this? Like I've seen Danilo play, you know, yeah. for years now. He's not that kind of player at all. Um so it's a Gimmer bizarre... should have been perfect in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Just just to create just to create overloads and also to to quickly get the ball out to Vinicius when he's standing there. It took forever for them to get him the ball. Um, like you're saying, that the outside backs for Croatia was the huge weakness. And I thought Sosa had a nightmare um against as particularly when Anthony came on. Anthony was mm-hmm. on fire. And I felt bad for them for him that they got knocked out because I felt like he just won his starting job over Rafinha in that performance. He was absolutely, um, <laughs> I mean, I, there was a yeah. point when, when he's and he, he beat someone, he beat Sosa every time extremely easily. And then mm-hmm. he went for the nutmeg on another player, got it and got fouled. And then Parasic just went and stood over him. <laughs> like for <laughs> I think just for showboating, but, Anthony was like, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I was, <laughs> I'm just beating the man in yeah. front of me. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were, Brazil should have been able to exploit those outside areas more effectively. But I think what stood out for me was the, 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 there's a real, I think, I, I thought all along that unless Brazil got an early goal, they would be in trouble. Of course, I did think the game was over when Neymar scored. And like you said, that was just a really beautiful goal it should have been Neymar's moment <laughs> it's like it really should have been his uh, I, I, I found myself even feeling bad for him it's a bizarre very, way very to go quickly, out quickly can I ask I mean one once sure what do you guys think about the supposedly best penalty taker taking it last yeah I mean personally I thought I, I'm not privy to those conversations but personally I thought that that was um a, a very strange decision and, and that's like saying it favorably because you have I think Ryan and I spoke about this briefly you know and the the juxtaposition between Messi obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but Messi coming up and just t- you know finishing um with I ease mean, I never understand that, this I mean I remember Ronaldo in one of the Euros about maybe eight ten years ago the same thing happened he was supposed to take it last and it, 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 it was 2012 2012 yeah. so <laughs> 10 years ago I mean it's such yeah. a ridiculous thing and yeah. And Messi always takes the first one, and you'd imagine that it's strange to be thinking yeah. about the future when you know this is a penalty. yeah, it's three or four. You put your best penalty taker in three or four, and then like that's a, or or one if he wants it. You know, like it. I don't really understand. Strangely, Five. I think they did the same thing with Jorginho in the, and it worked out all right because Saka ended up missing mm-hmm. behind him, but Jorginho, Jorginho missed too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm saying, but he was their fifth taker and he right. he had the chance to do what I imagine the only point of taking the fifth one putting him fifth is that if there's the ultra pressurized moment but I, I yeah. think it's ultimately it seems like being slightly unfair to Neymar it seems like it's about glory in that sense like you get to be the one running running off with it potentially and you also get to hide a bit I don't think if you really yeah. really really want the penalty you go fifth Right. I think maybe you kind of you kind of want the penalty and you can't say you copped out. But yeah, I yeah. thought it was I thought, no coincidence I thought it was that bizarre. Mbappe, Ronaldo, and Neymar, they all take it fifth. Mbappe missed last <laughs> year. I mean both, yeah. all three of them have. Yeah. But but just, I mean nowadays just 
Yeah, I was just right. saying, if you're a regular penalty taker nowadays, there is one advantage in that, like, there's so much uh, information. The data analysis has been done, and the keeper knows with people who take so many penalties. So, like, they don't have as much on Marquinhos and what he's going to do as they do with, like, you know, uh, Neymar, you know, or, like, yeah. Kane or something. So, I don't think Marquinhos misses if he goes first. I think he missed only because mm-hmm. they were already down. I, I thought he would – I thought – he would be. I thought him or even like a Thiago Silva would would go first, and then Neymar go in can, the middle. Can I make another tactical point that I thought was interesting? Like yeah, coming yeah. into this game, if you're Brazil, it's like okay, we have Neymar and um, Vinicius, the two right-footed left side players. Basically, they want to one will drop and get the ball, and they're going to combine. And it looked like that would work well early on, right? Um, that's another thing that Danilo really screwed up. This the spacing. <laughs> Because yeah, he'd exactly. get the ball and suddenly, like, Neymar would shift and would drop in. And you'd have uh, – Croatia did something fascinating. Mario Pasalic, who has played for, you know, former Chelsea players, Atalanta, he's, he's a center midfielder. You basically played four center midfielders and had Pasalic as wide right yeah. kind of nominally. The yeah, idea exactly. was that he's going to defend in that pocket where Neymar wants to drop, which is great. But then if Danilo is – uh, like <laughs> is tucked inside, then that Pasalic's yeah, job was exactly. very easy. So it was yeah. very bizarre to me that uh, for that reason, I think that's why he switched at one point to a four, but that didn't last long. So yeah, they, yeah. they it was a tactical you know mistake. The, the glaring mistake, obviously, was that they didn't just kind of have the humility to pack it in after scoring the goal. Mm-hmm. The end. But there are tactical mistakes throughout the game from Brazil. But that said, I think it should be, you know, categorized as a Croatia victory rather than a Brazil loss, because I still think even though Brazil generally had the better of the play, maybe not to the extent that you'd expect given their surplus of talent. I thought Croatia, yeah. you know, I, I thought Croatia. I don't think they absolute... did have the better of the play. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, it's because Croatia was just playing their game the entire time and Brazil didn't really create too many clear cut chances that, that they missed. And if you told me beforehand that, you know, there were Perisic a couple, wasn't, of, couple of good keeper saves though. I mean, there was the keeper had a, an incredible game, but the, the, my overall sense, and this was my favorite of the four matches just from a purely like footballing perspective, like by far um, it Croatia just played so so cohesively the entire time like every time they were clearly sitting back a bit going on the counter but they but the possession statistics i think were pretty even and i think that's because croatia had croatia they yeah every okay croatia had it every time croatia had the ball they were able to do these slow builds but like ryan was saying the press was inadequate from brazil but they were still trying to press and so every time kovacic got the ball there was someone on his back Every time Modric got the ball or Brozovic got the ball, there was someone right near them, unless they were dropping in between the center backs. Um, and they were still able to execute these moves without pace or individual trickery, aside from these little back heels and combination being a factor, which is something Brazil wasn't able to do at all. So I thought like they're slower moving and they're lacking some of the flair of Brazil. But I thought from like a just footballing perspective, they were yeah. they played just as competently. And if, from like an aesthetic perspective, it was just as beautiful. It just it, it took yeah. more passes for them to get up the field. But if it's like a chess match, they were able to get up the field pretty much every time. They, you know, it just took at them will, more. yeah. 
and it just and took they them more, it more pace. Yeah, yeah, and you, that's, you see those triangles when you have it like a better spacing, and you're you've got like a twenty yard pass on the floor, and then you yeah. know, yeah, exactly. Uh, they created much more space with their movement as well. So, and that's what I thought the difference between Croatia and Spain is, even though you know Spain, it's it's a different setup, but it's still it's a midfield three that you're expecting to do the work. And granted, Morocco sat a lot deeper when they played against Spain, but the midfield three for Croatia, and that's my problem with Barcelona too watching, is the midfield three for Croatia were moving all over the place as a triangle, whereas mm-hmm. the Barcelona and the Spain three, it's just you pass the ball, then there's a square pass back. You pan your way, and you need someone who's checking one of the front three to check and actually create some dynamism from there. But the front the, the midfield three of Croatia were moving them all over the place, really without any dribbling aside from like shielding being being a factor, um, and really without having a through ball on either because there's no pace up front for them. It was just a it was a it was a masterclass, and I thought it was just like a victory for, for yeah. that style of play, you know. And that's the problem with with just to say, like I think there was a statistic like every uh, Brazil had lost. In the last five World Cups, Brazil lost to the first European team that they played in the knockout round. Yeah, um, mm. and I don't know if that's just like, you know, a statistical sort of anomaly or whatever. But it seems like um, the the Brazilian the, 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 they lack. I, I I like their style of play, but they don't create enough chances to right. justify that being that frail in the back. And they're not frail at all. Due to, they were frail when they lost to Germany due to personnel you know, eight years ago, but this time they weren't frail in the back. They have one of the best holding midfielders, the probably two of the, you know, handful of best center backs in the world. And it's just that they, they have, they play with too many players up high that aren't retaining the ball well enough or creating that many chances for me. That's another thing. The frailty at the back did show in the counter because Tiago Silva is still a wonderful defender. The one thing he's not amazing at anymore is, Backtracking on the counter, when you, <laughs> which is what they have, the system forced them to do. And you're saying, like, yeah, Croatia didn't. This, you're totally right. I think that Medfield 3 was just moving it around and keeping the shape, playing with one another. Uh, the one of them who was most the most Brazilian center midfielder on the pitch was Kovacic. He just, he's yeah, the one who wanted to dribble. He was like, okay, let me he take did. it on every time. And that's one thing I think this Brazil team was missing that someone like Gimaraes should give you that sort of center mid, true center mid who will dribble when necessary to get out of pressure and will go box to box. You can't replace that with Danilo. And and Ashwin, just a final word is that you you know I think you rightly point out like only one shot on goal, it was deflected, and I feel like that's the narrative. But what there was a move soon before the goal some point in the extra time when they got the ball intricately up to Petkovic who has no pace at all and he has two defenders <laughs> on him he holds him off then pulls off a nutmeg and then you know plays a beautiful um, pass uh, square ball to the top of the 18 and the guy's running on he has a full um, a clear angle at goal and he just shoots it over high um, I'm forgetting who, who shot the ball from from Croatia, but it was a beautiful move, and that was their clearest chance. And I thought that was clearer than any chance that Brazil generated. It was just a a moment of magic from Neymar right. and something a kind of goal you can only imagine, you know, a Messi or a Neymar even really scoring. Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a ridiculous or or even like or like a young Hazard. It's the type of goal he used to score for Chelsea. Well, all this true, but I'm. <laughs> 
I'm going to be slightly, <laughs> I'm going to be slightly facetious and say this was a Bolsonaro team and he lost the election. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> barring Richarlison, obviously. So they play Croatia advance. What do you? I'm wondering if this is a good time to talk about both the semi-final and also the dramatic. Um, what we can expect from Croatia in the semi-final and also their opponents, you know, who play well, probably the most dramatic match. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious what you think, Ashwin. I mean, Argentina, that's, that's your team, you know. What do you think of the game and what do you think about them playing Croatia? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the midfield is obviously the one that, I mean, I, I think Argentina's midfield is... I'm least confident about them. So, um, I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but um, compared to Croatia's, I, I don't think they sort of um, are, are get the better off of off the two. That's something that worries me a little bit. I know Acuna is suspended, which Taglifico, like we discussed, I mean, the defensive frailties, and here I think it's important to be tight. So, I don't know. Let's see how that works out. Um I'm glad DePaul got a bit of a rest. He was taken off mm. at 65. These are just small things, you know, which which can sort of play out. Um, uh, because I, I have, I mean, after they lost to Saudi Arabia, I was thinking that one of the problems is going to be latter half. I mean, if they do progress, fatigue is going yeah. to come in at a certain point, And you don't know when that actually happens. Um, I understand that the crowd, etc. It's it's a big, big factor and it does sort mm -hmm. of motivate them a lot. But fatigue is fatigue. Even a guy like DePaul, whose only talent is being able to run, sort of got exhausted <laughs> and had to be um, replaced. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not the only thing is, I mean, just from a I was thinking they're gonna go out to Brazil. Now it sort of seems like it's opened up. So okay, great. Yeah. You know, if something happens, great. I I don't know. I'm, I'm, Croatia, what I am taking is that their offensive line, it's not, I mean, they do, it's It's not got the pace. I mean, Perisic is now old. Mm -hmm. They're still very efficient in midfield. I think Argentina can sort of stalemate their way through and then, you know, Messi does something. I mean, I don't think that, I think they should be very disappointed if they don't go past Croatia. But it's not. It's, it's definitely. It's not like they're playing um, Korea or something. You know, they're they're playing a very good team, and they'll will will have to play well. But this is about as good as it gets, right? In the semifinal, you you don't expect um, to play a weak team of any kind. So this is about as good a situation as they could have hoped for. As for the match against, well, Netherlands. Well, that's all to say about that. But the one thing, I mean, we can get into how the match panned out. But I thought the attitude in general, I mean, you obviously saw a more feisty side of Messi, and um, yeah, yeah. which is important. I thought it it was a little, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see that because I think he's often been accused of not being able to, to show that side and that what sort of... Um, what that what that means for the rest of the team. I mean, this is a highly charged Argentina team, and I think that's what's been keeping them for the last two or three years. I mean, since the Copa, that's one of their 
uh, what distinguishes this team um, than than previous iterations of the Argentine team where Messi has been involved. I did think they got a little um, uh, is a bit unnecessary with Van Hal. I mean, I, I understand that he. Gets what, what was said there? What what, what was that? Because I I was. I think he got like, pissed so that, off. Yeah, go on. Ray. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I don't know what was said there, but there was some uh, history that. Uh, hey, this is interesting. The whole World Cup, all these like subtexts that are coming up from old old things. Like um, <laughs> apparently, uh, what's his name? Uh, if you remember, yeah, the Raquel May celebration, it's because no, what, I don't when the ce- celebration Messi did was Raquel May's celebration against, because Van Hal, if you remember when Raquel May was at Barca, similar situation to Frankie de Jong almost in terms of, okay, early enough in his Barca cal- uh, career, you have a fork in the road, somewhat underperforming, and uh, de Hall, <laughs> Van Hal kicks him to the curb and they have like a falling out or whatever. So his he did this. Messi went back and did that, and I think that's what he was pissy about. Apparently, Ashraf Hakimi in his celebration against Spain, it was when he was in Madrid. He and Sergio Ramos, when Sergio Ramos got snubbed by Luis Enrique, this was their screw you celebration towards <laughs> Luis Enrique that he brought back. Like, that is so <laughs> awesome, like old bad blood that people wow. used to. To motivate themselves, I guess. But, but you know, because, there's also yeah. there's also like Van Hal <laughs> saying that they play with ten when they're defending. That pissed him off a lot. Like he's carrying this Argentina mm-hmm. team in everything, and he's going to be the reason why they lose. Really got him upset. I understand that, but I I didn't understand what he meant by. They say that they play good football. This is what Messi is saying. And all they do is throw long balls into the box. Like, what, what do you want them to do? And they they don't have any ideas. They're not able to break you down. And they actually get into the game. They get back into the game because of that. You want Van Hal to set up his team in, in an attractive way, which plays into yeah, I, It's a bit odd. I, I want to... <laughs> I, I, I definitely want to, like, backtrack and talk about the tactics. But since we're on this, it's like... It's something Ryan and I have spoken about, and you've mentioned too, Ashwin. Like Messi, he gets a personality pass, whereas mm-hmm. every every everything Ronaldo does is, is with the referee too. That handball was ridiculous. You know? Yeah, he. But Messi, it, I, it's 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 odd because I find myself really rooting for him in a way that I definitely don't, um, in the same way with Ronaldo. Although, you know, um, it, it was anyway, but. Messi was being a bit of a bastard um, yeah. the entire game, and I did not. I thought it was it was really odd, like Rodrigo de Paul with like shirtless and like his like shorts all the way down, like walking around. It was it was so like braggadocious the celebration, which is fine. Um, but it, I thought it, at a certain point it transcended like the joy of the moment, and it it, it turned into something that made me uncomfortable as a viewer, and that he's going to go over to uh, Van Hall he must know that man has cancer or, or is recovering or i mean it's a bizarre and, and he must know he's devastated from that moment he knows he's leaving the job after so unless van hall said something really insulting personally to him it's just really bad sportsmanship to do that and beyond doing that i thought it was bizarre because i'm sure you guys saw edgar davids you know one of the assistant coaches of netherlands it was just funny the entire tournament you know i was watching it <laughs> 
this girl I've been seeing Layla and she's like, is that, I think that guy's definitely sleeping. You know, he's definitely sleeping because he, he's wearing those black shades and he's made no gesture of like ever getting up or turning his head in any direction. So the only time I saw Davids get up from the bench the entire tournament was to go over to Messi. And it seemed like he was just trying to calm him down and say something along the lines of like, hey man, like, what are you doing? Why, why, are, you, why are you doing this? And Messi, you know, withstood like three or four um, embraces from Davids and just left it in. I can't imagine there's bad blood between him and Edgar Davids. I'm sure he, you know, grew up watching those Jogo Benito videos just like the rest of us with Davids. Um, so I thought it was, it was, um, it made me a little bit less of yeah. completely on the messy bandwagon. It, it just, it, I don't see, I didn't see enough bad will. I thought a lot of the bad will in that game was coming from the Dutch. Was it Paredes who fouled the guy? unnecessarily the and then take yeah. the ball direct i mean what is i mean maybe it's about something we don't understand <laughs> but i wasn't seeing yeah. anything um from the dutch that was as evidently that they were giving it back um but yeah i mean i thought the game uh you know from <laughs> from a tactical perspective uh was interesting i thought the dutch and then croatia um are both two teams that you know uh are very beatable from an Argentinian perspective. They're big teams, but they don't necessarily exploit Argentina's weaknesses to the same extent. They really lack pace. Um, they really aren't going to be playing on the front foot against them. And I thought I thought that the the Dutch approach was 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 fairly um, was fairly timid. I was really disappointed. I mean, it, it was like it was a, a really interesting um, tactically. For the first half, but it, for me, it was definitely a come down from the Brazil-Croatia match, where I thought there was much more um, uh, offensive impetus from both teams. Whereas this match, it was much of the first like thirty minutes seemed to just be a feeling each other out period, um, and much like it was, you know, <laughs> when they played each other in the semifinal uh, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was. What did you think, Ryan? Because I thought I, I personally. Yeah, thought, I like, I love this match. I thought it was fantastic. As far as like, it was the difference between this and eight years ago, um, is that eight years ago that was kind of like more of defensive teams, right? Just uh, it were, feeling each other out is one thing if you're actually doing it, like versus just holding back. Here, I thought again with the. Five at the back for both teams. I think this was a masterstroke from Scaloni. Uh, but everyone is this that there was space in the midfield, and yeah, so so there was what they were doing was trying to get overloads in the midfield, and both teams were zipping it in, looking for the uh, that like that player checking in the midfield and creating a second triangle off of that. So I thought it was much more interesting to see how that would work. Um, it was like very brave of Van Hal to just say, you know what, I'm going to go attacking, throw on yeah. a, an attacking mid, or take yeah. Cody Gakpo, who's been playing as one of your in your five three two. You've had a five three two with a holding mid, and Cody back Gakpo has been one of your two forwards this whole time. Now yeah. he turns to an attacking mid, has Cody Gakpo as the attacking mid, and adds in Bergvine from the start. Yeah, seriously. Just, he just decided, let's just overload that right side because we know once they get the ball, Dumfries goes all the way high and they immediately converted 2 4 3 3 in possession. Um, but now it was a 4 3 3 with an attacking mid. So I thought that was very positive of him. And so the ball in was, was always 
higher up the pitch in the in the midfield, but no one was making a mistake, which is why both teams were pushing back. And right. <laughs> so it was kind of like the perfect kind of game, um, tactically and technically. And but Scaloni, it was just a masterclass for me. This putting five at the back so and having yeah, and having uh, Lissandra Martinez be like, okay, you're gonna play the cat. These two, other two will be the dogs, and you're gonna stay back and just recycle possession and look for a through ball if you have, but really make those longer passes on the floor. This meant that Otamendi got up high. So did um, uh, Romero even got involved in the attack, but that space in the midfield, these guys were trying to push and exploit it. Um, so I thought they played very well and they were, uh, you know, they earned their lead. And obviously Absolutely. then... After that, it was like, whew, it was um, amazing once he takes Memphis off. I mean, one of the things is Memphis was dropping deeper and deeper and not impacting the game as much because I thought he was great in the first half. But and yeah. like one of these moves was going to work eventually when you, you know, when they drop off and try to try to go have that sort of right side overload. But once they took Memphis off and the Vout came on, then the game turned. But that so, was, yeah, but even yeah. if just just one question to I mean as you guys um is that okay they've scored the two goals they've been you know they've changed their tactics and are are basically um lumping it forward and then they stopped doing that once they've gotten the you know once they've restored um the balance uh in score and and you said that it was because now Argentina had something to play for, so they didn't have free possession to lump the ball forward. Which yeah. I didn't quite understand that because the, I mean that's the yeah the game state changed everything, right? How much possession do you need in order to lump it forward? It's not like oh you need a lot, really. No, no. Okay. If you notice, like Timber, because like if you notice Timber and Virgil, like that's one of the reasons switching the angle right to left among the defenders before you put it in. It wasn't like they were just lumping it in. They were yeah, moving yeah, it yeah, sure. and and t- and taking it up. Suddenly, at, when the game state became 2-2, then Argentina went back to their normal formation. So you had a right winger in that space. And yes, you can lump it up, but it's much easier to defend uh, You know, a straight ball. Also, when you're chasing 2-2, um, like, it, it, sorry, 2-1, you can throw everyone up there. But if you win the first ball with like three people behind, like they were doing, uh, and the other team is defending, then you can create a lot of, you know, wreak a lot of havoc. But suddenly if the other team has enough people forward where there's a threat that if you win the first ball and not the second ball, you're going to get killed on the counter by Lionel Messi, then I think that's why. It was just a matter of, of being worried about that. And the other side probably is something about the exhaustion that uh, I, I still comes think from that they could back, have sort of you know? You know, pressed a little more. I mean, and, and tried as much as possible. I thought they did sort of release things, and Argentina were allowed to reshape a little bit. Messi on the counter. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is that much of a especially... well? Not just Messi. The whole the thing is, you win, you win the first ball or not, or even if you. It was really about the second ball every time when they threw everyone forward, yeah. right? And then Paredes was th- with that foul that led to the free kick. Um, 
it, all of the Argentine def- people, defenders, midfielders, everyone was back for the second ball. Whereas now, since they were further up, I think that was that's always the worry when you're lumping it forward. Because otherwise, a lot of teams would lump it forward more when you have Burnley with about what Veghorst, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, you know, winning the first ball isn't really the whole thing when you've sure. got, uh, when you lump it. In fact, it's the smaller part. Right, right. I thought, I mean, yeah, just, just backtracking in the game a bit, like, I thought it was a bit of a, a stalemate. I agree, tactically, it was it was, it was very interesting. Um, and to put Molina as part of a back five really worked. Um, it, it really worked. Um, and I'm not sure Van Hall was, was prepared for that um, because that seemed to neutralize all of Brazil's frailties, both in having Lissandro there, also just not having an unnecessary right wing if Di Maria is not fit to, to play, which clearly he wasn't. And that's just a tactical approach to have a soft, to have a, to have a, that's something that I see teams doing a lot more, not necessarily with five in the back, but Brazil did it with Militao. They put just a center back and right back. Arsenal has been doing it all season with either Tamayasu or, or Ben White. It's, it's, it's a nice, it's actually a nice uh, approach just to solidify and to trust your, your defenders to, to play it out of the back. But I thought the difference in the game is both teams had their possession. It wasn't necessarily penetrating for most of the first half. It was just moving the defense around generally. The difference is Messi. Um, that's kind of obvious to say. But the pass that he picked for Molina was pass probably only he could have picked. It was an insane pass. And credit to Molina, like that's a really difficult finish. That kind of was going yeah. under the radar. I mean, the first touch, Van Dijk is all over him. Um, the finish was class. So I think that's something that if you're not going, I I I I I think if I was to be playing against Argentina, I would from what this tournament has showed me, I would want to be putting a lot more pressure on them and throwing the unless I'm I would be wanting to be putting the game into a bit more of a chaotic transition state because Argentina has shown yeah. that they can they can unlock a, a team um, and that they're difficult to unlock, but in transition they have no pace. They have no pace anywhere on the field, um, so it. Not that the Dutch, you know, really have much. Uh, um, much, I don't know. Their, their their midfield was was again like very disappointing. Um, to be frank, De Young was was disappointing. Um, to me, yeah. and not that he played bad, but I'm just waiting for him to just look. This is a game where you can really stamp your emphasis on it, and he was just yeah. unable unable to do that. Um, and I I don't see what Messi's point is about them not being able to 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 play through um, because that's how Argentina was set up to do. I mean, so I, I don't really see the point. I thought the first goal was a really nice goal. It was a really nice ball in and a really nice finish. It wasn't just a lump in. And the second goal was like one of the most ingenuitive oh free kicks yeah. I've ever seen. And to pull that out in a, in that situation, it was to, to, to post up Voot against, uh, was it Enzo, I think, who was unfortunately like <laughs> flapping away behind him. Um, no discredit to Enzo. It's just what are you supposed to do in that situation? Um, so I agree, like, uh, Netherlands could have pushed on a bit, but at the same time, their team was already dis- you know, imbalanced. Um, and I think they were just, you know, they were just happy to be there. But I agree, there's something frail to this Argentina team but when you but when they sense that you're backing off against them like Argentina in the second 15 minutes were were ridiculous they could have scored two or three goals uh Di Maria when he came on he tried to he tried to score from the corner kick and like whatever the 119th 120th minute 
then Enzo hitting the post. Um, this yeah, is I don't one know. Of my concerns for Croatia. Like the Argentine right wing is obviously where they want to do their magic, and Croatia's left back position defensively is their it's weakest terrible. position. Perisic has to come all the way back and help, and then you neutralize. Um, you know, Perisic. although he'll always, <laughs> yeah, he'll always make the eighty-yard run forward. But um, yeah, I think Argentina, if they can exploit that. Will but but where did they fail to exploit that most in games like Mexico and Saudi Arabia, where they played five at the back and had the left wing back just play aggressive, get high on Di Maria's back, Messi's back, kind of thing, or whoever's in the wing position. Um, but I don't think Croatia's going to do that, right? He's not going to play five no. at the back against Croatia, is he? No, I'm talking about Croatia. No, I mean, yeah, I know, against, but uh, I'm saying. Teams that played Argentina well. Oh, you're saying semi finals. Yeah, Scaloni, yeah. You reckon? Uh, I thought, I don't think, I mean, I, I didn't think he, he'll do it. I but. think it depends on Di Maria's health. Exactly, um, yeah. I, I feel like he if came on. Di Maria's take... in there, you have to play him as a winger, in which case you have to, uh, you know, like uh, a four through three. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, Argentina, um, I, you know, I'm thinking about the U.S. I think the U.S. had two winnable games. Netherlands and Argentina were two winnable games for the U.S. That was an easy path to the semifinals. I think both of these teams, um, if the U.S. was playing well, could have troubled. I think Argentina would have a lot of difficulty with the energetic, high-pressing uh, U.S. team. Not that that's really of any interest to anyone, but... Uh, there we are. <laughs> well, it is their sternest test, but I mean, you have to get past these matches, right? You're, no one's going to gift you a World Cup. You know, you have to sort of win it. So, well, and I think this is—it's still easier to play Croatia than it is to play Brazil. I mean, in spite of what happened in the previous match. So, I mean, th- think about Argentina's path. Even though Croatia is decent, they, I mean, a very, very, very good team. Our, Morocco's path, if they win it, they all have had to gone through a group, yeah, a very, very difficult group, and then beating Spain, and then and Portugal, beating yeah. Portugal, um, and then having to beat... <laughs> I mean, Being uh, the France better team then... as well in, in all these games is not like... It's not like... I mean, if, if Brazil had won, I think we may be having a very different conversation as well. I mean, I wouldn't have... I think... If Spain had won, it would have been lucky. I mean, considering Morocco had the two best chances of the game and they should have put those away. Against Portugal, it was slightly different, but they're definitely deserved winners. I mean, it's not yeah. like they were the better team, I mean, against all these yeah. teams. Ram, what's happening there? Because we spoke briefly, you know, this was a team that I don't think was on anyone's radar going in. And they're yeah, the first I mean, African semi. This... You have to... Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like it's it's not it's not it's not one of those African teams that everyone was looking at. It's not like the Drogba, Ivory Coast team. This time around, exactly. At them. Or even Senegal. As a, I mean, as a Maghrebophile um, for for years <laughs> now, the thing is, the Moroccan fans also don't uh, haven't had much faith in the team in the last few years because of uh, um, Halilovic, the recent manager. He fell out with Hakim Ziyech and um, Ashraf Hakimi 
And obviously they did terribly in the Nations Cup because African Nations Cup because um, they didn't bring them, which seems insane. And some of the brightest stars from last year's World Cup or last World Cup, like Amin Harit, didn't even feature, right? So uh, he's rebuilt this team and Ray Grawi's done an amazing job in that sense. But um, yeah, this is, it's kind of, wild given how much they lack depth and how much many injuries they had Romain Sace is playing on like he hurt his hamstring and then he re-injured it and got stretchered off and basically he's trying to be fit for the next match somehow I don't know how you do that um that I I uh, the Amrabat brothers I guess we don't have Nuruddin anymore from the Watford center midfielder and so Sufyan Amrabat has just had an incredible World Cup. Um, this Sufyan Bufal, who at Southampton came in, is like, oh, this is going to be your next like Riyad Mahrez type player, and it just didn't work for him at all. Went back to France. He's been fine. Uh, actually, he's been pretty good in the games I've seen him. But you didn't expect him to show up again as right. the way he has, right? So um, it's it's nuts that they're that they're doing so well it's a counter but like we were kind of talking about this before yes they counter but they play in that triangle for a second longer than you would at the back and yes. look for it looked to play yes. out through a center midfielder like unahi who had like the game of his life in the last match i think um and he's he's outrageous yeah. this kid yeah yeah <laughs> um he plays for Angers, who are like, at the bottom of the uh, French Men League. Falls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, I mean the the thing is, and and Nasiri, who's is just a workhorse up top. He is. Uh, it was funny that the commentators had talked about how he hadn't scored, um, and then he finally gets on the end of that, like two minutes later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, the issue is they're just not very deep with all these injuries. I'm very curious to see how they'll. Uh, the lineup, but same thing. Defensively, they go into a low kind of four-four-two. Uh, sometimes it's a four-four-two. Otherwise, it's like a four-five-one with Amrabat helping out, in, or in between the lines. And so I was, it was bizarre to me that Portugal, that they, they, they did what they did. The same sort of setup. I don't see why you change the setup after you've just gone and obliterated uh switzerland i don't really understand did you get that i i don't yeah i i i thought it was tactically of i i never really thought too highly of this portugal team um i thought they you know they in the games that i saw before the switzerland game i i wasn't viewing them as a as a major contender um uh i thought that Santos got the, the balance all wrong. And I love Ruben Neves. Um, I, I thought Arsenal, I would have loved for Arsenal to have pushed a bit harder to, to have signed him. I'm not sure um, what the obstacle there is. Um, I think he's an amazing player. But as I mentioned to you, I thought um, him coming back in and them not playing Carvalho, Carvalho was a very strange decision for a team against yeah. a team that, play, that plays on the counter. I'm not sure why you need I, and, he and had so, it right the last match, right? That four-five-one with the double pivot, like gives you yeah. the stability, frees up Joe Felix, 
And then now he decided to bring Octavio in, who isn't giving you any of the bite that, as you say, William Carvalho does defensively. And he doesn't move the ball quick enough when you're in possession. So he lets the Moroccans sort of get set every time they're on the ball. So. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought, like, as we mentioned, to have, to have Ruben Neves there. Uh, Ruben Neves is really a good player, but he's someone that wants to play longer type passes. And that's all that Bruno Fernandes wants to do. And Bruno Fernandes kept coming deeper, um, which it's fine that he does, but he strikes me as like kind of an impatient player. He wants the ball um, when things aren't going well. And he also just wants to hit long diagonals. So you have two players that are essentially doing the same thing, not not necessarily either one of them known for their defensive um, acumen to the same degree as a, as a Carvalho. Um, I thought if you're playing against a low block, which they are, you'd want to have Shao Cancelo in the match. Um, and you'd want to have Rafael Leao in the match um, from the beginning because he came on and it was very clear that he was their best player immediately. He he was just beating, he was beating even, even Akimi. I mean, he was, he was beating him with ease um, and no disrespect to Akimi. So it just seemed like they got the balance completely wrong. It's okay that the, you know, Gonzalo, whatever was there pinning the center backs back, but they had yeah. too many, they had too many, um, Portugal had too many players wanting to do the same thing. And you always got the sense unless, unless they scored one of their long distance strikes, which Fernandez likes to take on. Neves likes to take on uh, Octavio too. You just didn't really see a way through for them to the same degree. Um, and Morocco just, just one more word on Morocco is just that they, like you're saying in their own way, they were super brave. Um, It almost seemed like they're playing a bit of, they're almost like luring luring Portugal in when they have the ball. They're playing yeah. like one one more square pass or back pass than they need to and then springing. And yeah, these guys Exactly, yeah. <laughs> these guys on the on the on the counter were were ridiculous. I mean, uh, really like beating their first man Bufal's beat his first man every every time in front of him Ziyech played incredibly Hakimi when he got forward. Um, you already mentioned the, the central midfielders. Amrabat just on the ball, and, and just like similar to Croatia, the Croatian midfield, so brave. He never lost the ball, and he never just played quick. Like he always allowed the defender to come close to him before moving it on. And that's I don't think Portugal. I think Portugal came in arrogantly, and I have no. On a personal level, it's not the deepest analysis, but it, they don't seem to have the cohesion. That I, of a team that uh, you, well, you can just tell, uh, yeah, just just uh, it's like I mean, you don't like these psychological points, but it just seemed to me like as soon as things started going wrong, the body language of the Portuguese players was all wrong. There didn't seem to be any kind of coherent strategy for the attack. How they were playing seemed to be dependent on which player, which creative player picked up the ball first in the move. If yeah. Bernardo got it, they were going to try to play something intricate. If Bruno got it, they were going to just move very quickly launch it long, try to, you know, play with energy. Um, it's just an odd team for how much well, talent they have. Last time, Ashwin said the right – he used the word fluid for the way that yeah. they looked against Switzerland, right? Yeah. And I think he had it right last time perfectly. And how did you have that fluidity? fluidity? It's kind of like what you're saying. You have chaotic players like Bruno Fernandes, um, creative players who don't exactly fit into an excess of rigid, uh, an excessively rigid system like Joe Felix. 
And then Bruno, uh, Bernardo Silva, who can kind of do it all it, wherever. You let those three do their thing behind a reference point, and you have this fluidity, but you need the 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 double pivot behind. And, yeah. But yeah, my the weird thing to me is that I thought they looked fluid. I thought they looked like a team, like they'd figured it out. And why would you then um, fix what isn't broken the next match So and break it completely? Yeah. It's hard to tell. I don't know if you want to say anything, Ashton, but just the last thing I wanted to say is like, it's hard to tell what a team is about um, from a game like Switzerland because they got their early goal. Right. And That's true. Switzerland came at them in a very bizarre. I, I like Switzerland, but they, they're not as. They were good. naive, yeah. It doesn't. It's. I don't see why you would play so attacking against them. Yeah. But if you look at Portugal's World Cup, I mean, I thought Ghana, you know, had about as good of as they took from Portugal. In my eyes, they should have won that game. I thought Uruguay also had the better of the game against Portugal. Then, okay, so those are their only two wins in the group. Then they lost to South Korea. Then they smashed Switzerland, and then they lost to Morocco. So I'm not sure what we've learned about this Portuguese. Mm. Yeah, especially team. the Ghana. The Ghana game it exposed defensive frailties more than anything. And here you see, I think what you said that they didn't have a game plan in attack. Now, obviously, coming from behind is kind of difficult, but the personnel they have it needn't have been so contingent on who's receiving the ball. Where it seems to completely be a different kind of game depending on who has it and. Uh, just one, I mean, if you guys have more thoughts on this game is one thing, but considering Morocco need to recruit people from the local embassy to get the, you know, to, to get a starting 11, you see them <laughs> getting past France and, um, I would see them getting past France if they had their team. They don't. So don't that's know. it. That's the issue. It's just like they're the back four, they might be missing everyone. I mean, right. I think at least two of them will play, but all of them are a doubt. I mean, that's yeah. insane for a team that's so that's been so good defensively. That's a huge worry. Um, yeah. And I just that's, I, I hope they beat France. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'm yeah. obviously rooting very hard for that, but Mbappe, <laughs> this is maybe a good segue to the English game because that first 30 minutes, even if, like, Mbappe is just amazing, and England's yeah, entire is. their entire game plan was like, okay, how do we deal with this? And they were throwing multiple players at him. It'll be interesting to see how Hakimi and Ziyech can deal with that because Ziyech has been very like active in the defensive work Seriously. on the right wing. Yeah. yeah. So, so if they're successful, I, I mean, what they can do against Mbappe is what the whole that's where Morocco will get any of their luck for, from if they can keep it nil-nil for as long as they can. Um, but other than that, I mean, Rabio has been amazing. What is this? Like, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's been He's incredible. Well. He hasn't and, put a foot wrong. Hasn't put a foot wrong. Griezmann is, like we talk about players changing their correct career yeah. trajectories. Griezmann is just Seriously. like a great attacking midfielder. He doesn't need to yeah. be a forward anymore. And exactly, yeah. And then when you have Chowmany deciding to, to like take one on and score from thirty yards, then that France team is just really well built. So, 
even when they played poorly like they did against England, they weren't playing their best and they still just managed to do what they needed to do. So, Yeah, Ashwin, you mentioned that you thought England had the better of it and I feel like that, that was the kind of the consensus. But when I was watching the match, I always had a sense that France was going to win. That's exactly um, it. Same, same. It's like, you know they were going to win. It's just so annoying. Yeah, it's almost... England have all this possession, but they turn it on when they want to. Yeah. yeah Maybe I thought, it's like, also you don't expect... I mean, the expectation as in when England put in a performance, which... I, I think it's... you're right. That No, no, no. I think you're right. England was better. But it, no, England it was because France better. let them be. Yeah, like, like France doesn't have yeah. to get into their... You saw it versus Australia, like when France, like I was watching the game versus Australia, you're thinking, okay, Australia scored like kind of a wonder goal early. Here we go. France is out of the tournament. But then you realize, oh no, all of those players are thinking, okay, oh shit, now we have to do it. Versus Brazil, I mean, versus England, England did play well, about as well as that group of players could play, um, the players that he was playing from the start, um, but at least all had at least competent matches. But France is set up to play, you know, defensively. And France is set up also not to put that much pressure on the ball. They're basically set up to to move in, into a counter right. quickly. Yeah. So they're not they're not really doing that much defensively. They're trusting their backs, um, which have been a, 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 a which were a clear weakness in that match. Like Teo mm-hmm. Hernandez, the, the 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 penalty he gave up was insane. Like that, yeah. I don't understand. That, that's the type of mistake you could easily lose your job for um, or like rearrange a whole back line to take that player out of the team because there was no threat. There was nothing happening. It was uh, um, the stra- the thing that I did not expect coming into the game was Upamakamo had a real kind of tough time with Kane. He, he was really petulant. He, yeah. he played a lot like Kimpembe plays in the big matches in the Champions League where he's just uh, he's way too aggressive committing way too many fouls. I thought that that um, was a really unlucky for England to not get the penalty. Granted, they had two penalties, but the one on Kane in the first half seemed a clear penalty to me, um, even if the contact uh, where Ugmakano took out his legs on, on the right side of the 18. Um, but, yeah. So I, I just thought that, that – I don't know what you thought, Ashwin, but I thought that that was a clear uh, – Clear yeah, penalty. I guess it was positioning, right? I mean, if it's on inside or outside the box. I mean, but that's... the foul continues, right? But the foul continues into the box. Right, right. So I don't see why we have to be dealing with the first the first um No, it's close. <laughs> I mean it's close, that's the thing. But I see what you're saying about France. They didn't have to step it up, right? When they had to, they came back, scored. So it's possible that the English performance looks a little better than it was because if the like this used to happen with Arsenal quite often, right? They're two nil down, three nil down. The opposition need, knows that they don't really need to do much. So then yeah, Arsenal exactly. come back into the match, but they haven't really come back. Into, I mean, not that this situation was <laughs> yeah. like that, but performance can seem a lot better than it is because you're not really doing anything which the other team is surprised by. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they they scored on a penalty. Right. You know, missed a missed a penalty, so they didn't really generate. Um, I can't remember in the match them generating too much. They kept mentioning that Lloris was getting peppered um, with shots, but I can't remember if Lloris. I mean, no. I think Lloris is thoroughly a really mediocre goalie at best, and I don't remember him making a save 
that you would imagine a keeper not making. Um, I just, I, 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 the thing that surprised me in the match was that uh, Mbappe played really well. The England was set up to stop Mbappe, but I feel like Mbappe, basically, he was responsible for this first goal. I mean, Chalmini put a nice ball in um, mm-hmm. to to finish, but I mean, Mbappe. <laughs> Uh, dribbled 50 yards across the field, drove everyone out of possession. England relaxed. They thought the move was over. And then Chalmini, who's been brilliant all tournament, aside from the, the penalty that he committed against Saka, which was um, right. very bizarre. But I thought the odd thing was Dembele. I thought Dembele looked awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he, it's like what we were mentioning with Barcelona. It's like, it, it's such a, he's such an enigma. It's I think, like, in, the, I think in these who... matches, it's it's especially in these kinds of matches, it really does what your decision making. Apart from the running, yeah, the decision making is so key, right? Um, yeah. Your passing ability, your vision, your passing vision is so so key that you know if you if you, if you don't have it, and that's something that's clearly lacking in his game, um, it's it's going to show. I I guess I'm not because you know I know that the club um, like playing for Barcelona against clearly weaker teams is 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 a different proposition. I'm a little surprised that he doesn't take more shots though in this World Cup. Like um, he mm-hmm. does that a lot for Barcelona. None of them are successful. So either he's been told <laughs> by his coach and Deschamps that don't do keep it. Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, just keep it moving. Don't don't do that shit. You know, go back to Barcelona and do that. But I am surprised that he doesn't because he has a Potentially has a good shot. It's just that it's a little wild yeah. sometimes. And um, I'm su- a little surprised that they don't try that a little more because even Griezmann, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, and Chomeni scored from a long range thing. So I'm not surprised, but, but, you know, I mean, when you look at Dembele, you are expecting a few more to come in. And I, I haven't seen him really attempting it too often. Thoughts on the penalty? Um, the miss, the cane, yeah, the, <laughs> the miss. It's sad because the thing is, he. I mean, we were talking about Messi's penalty last time. He and Ronaldo, you just don't expect them to miss ever. Exactly. Um, and you know, I guess the second time you try it, it's, but the thing is, he did. It wasn't like it was saved. He just Beckhamed it, you know, into some fortieth. He Beckhamed it, and they kept cutting to Beckham as well. At least on my feed, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, he made me look like a real, uh, real. Real idiots, because I was telling, I was watching it with this girl. I'm, I'm saying, here's the man, you know, here's the man, probably above all else. If my life was on the line, I would, I would have him take the penalty. Like I just haven't seen him miss in big moments or small. The man always hits the corner and hits it hard. He doesn't do any bullshit, you know. He doesn't do the bullshit that Messi and Neymar does, where they're staring at the goalie and then you know they're doing all this. Um, You're he just footballing hits spot. You're footballing hubris, you know. It's check. <laughs> But tell me something, I mean, because you spoke like, of Lloris uh, a little while ago. It is nice to see that three of the four teams that have qualified for the semis, a very, very important role has been played by the keepers, Bono, Martinez, Lovakovic. Um, I mean, very, yeah. very crucial, not just because, you know, they've all needed penalties to go through, Morocco once, Croatia twice, and Argentina once, but also... During the game, I mean, um, there've been. Well, Martinez wasn't kept as busy, but um, right. 
one thing I do, I, I mean, I know this is going back a few games, but one of the really important moments if Argentina go on to win this is Martinez saving that free kick from the Mexican. I think Absolutely. it was um, Lozano who took it, but yeah, Lozano, it was a really good, yeah. really, really good free kick, and he he really plucked that out. I mean, it was. Yeah, One yeah. Of the, I mean, if that had gone in, I think that's it. It would have been we would have yeah, been yeah totally. And again, like penalty shootouts, Lavakovic even during the game made some really good saves. Um, Bono too. So it's 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 good that it's 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 come to the fore. I mean, obviously goalkeeper is always important, but unsung heroes this time, you can really see the difference. And I think yeah. captured especially I by when. They won finally. Messi went up to him, right? Like in the celebrations. He, he, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. You were saying. Well, <clears throat> I had a different take about the goalies, the goalkeepers in that, um, you know, in previous World Cups, the ball has been a huge issue mm-hmm. or point of contention and has been to the advantage of the uh, strikers, like the Javelani right. in 2010 or something. Yeah. yeah. And, someone mentioned about this ball being too light or something. Um, but it seems like there's there's been very few long-distance goals this time around. Very there's good. just that one from Chamani and, you know, the one from the Mexican free kick against uh, Saudi Arabia. And, you know, Messi. not much more. Messi yeah, was. Messi. I think, like, it, it, I, I think so. And then some of the saves in-game that the commentators have kind of raged about just seem like they're easier saves than than they're making it out to be and i wonder whether just the ball is harder to um like everyone's hitting it too true is the opposite of the jabalani problem where you hit it true and it you know you can make it spin and do strange things and here it's like if you hit it true by accident it's just staying high or like it's always at a comfortable height I don't know. This kind of it could be because um, it has been it has been an enigma that there's been so few long distance strikes. That's a staple of the World Cups, at least in my lifetime. You know, yeah, at least yeah. in some match, even in the peripheral matches, there are these ridiculous goals to get yeah. everyone excited about. Where here, all of the goals of the tournament contenders for you know either the 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 early goal from for Vishalson or the second goal for Vishalson, but more yeah. like Livkovich is closer to goal. In, yeah. Like Livkovich's saves in game, a lot of them have just come at a more comfortable height than I would have expected from that strike. Yeah, right. right. You like know, the Lori save as well. The the only thing, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I'm just speculating here. I think it may also be testament to the attacking quality of the football that we've seen in in this World Cup, where it's been, it hasn't really panned out to be as dreadful and cagey as at least I was imagining before. Yes. Yeah, and why you see long range strikes is because there when there is complete stalemates and deadlocks, that's the only thing it's that sort point. of breaks the the shackles, right? This time um it in in a little sense it's not been needed, right? I mean of course that doesn't mean but I haven't seen, I mean right now I was just saying that I'm a little surprised Dembele hasn't attempted a few more. He attempts so many in Barcelona. None of them are particularly successful, like I said, but they've not been attempted with as much frequency, is, is my sense, or maybe it's just because they haven't been scored. I, I, that, that's how it comes to me, but that, that's how it appears to me. But I'm just wondering whether the 
attacking quality has improved this World Cup in such a way that that is not the only outlet for scoring goals. Uh, speculative. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you have less stalemates for sure, right? Yeah, one thing I thought the Lavakovic and and the same with Chesney when he was um, when he was still in the tournament. It was more the volume of saves. It wasn't mm-hmm. these yeah. ridiculous saves. It was more just yeah. wow, this guy still hasn't made an error, but he's faced like fifteen yeah. competent and and shots. like pushing it out well. Like Lloris yeah, exactly. was impressive about the save. It was like a very easy save. I thought or not relatively simple save, but it was that you've got these forwards just poaching. And you did a great job to push it in the right direction. Yeah. Are you guys willing to commit to a score or to a prediction? <laughs> For which one? About there are only two games. So which one? Yeah. <laughs> I think Heart. I'm going to go with Croatia to beat Argentina. Yeah. Uh, okay, heart. heart. My heart <laughs> wants Croatia-Morocco in this final. Okay, yeah, um, absolutely. I think Croatia can win on penalties yeah. against Argentina. I, I actually think that's possible, whereas I don't think it's possible that there's a scenario where Morocco beats France, unfortunately, because Kylian is just so good. The scenario would be if Mbappe gets injured. If Morocco sticks to their game plan and Mbappe gets injured, then I think they could very... Uh, like all all the Moroccan players miraculously recover. You know, that's, that's... Yeah, yeah, both of those. <laughs> Uh, the Mbappe problem is just really hard to deal with otherwise um, because over 120 minutes, he's just going to be magical at one point. Um, but on the other hand, unlike England, who wanted, who gave up an early enough goal where they have to go for it, Morocco is going to hang back and they're going to try to do the same thing. So if both go to penalties, then you know they've got a chance. But anyway, I think um, Argentina-France final again like 2014, um, but like my head, that's where my head goes. And I think it will be in 90 for Argentina at 2-0. And I think Morocco will get demolished by France 3-0. Ashwin? <laughs> I said Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah, go on. I, um, you know, I'll let you guys talk me out of pick Morocco last week. And so part yeah. of me wants to pick them now for spite, but it seems that the road is over for Morocco. <laughs> right. you, you don't see a team beating. It's not only that the, the matchup is unfavorable, which it really is. Um, cause that's not a team that, that that's just, if they're, if their plan is to sit back, and to wait for a team to break you down. France is definitely going to score. And Giroud, for me, is definitely is the definite X factor because But like think, you said, they, they don't they like the counter. So you you're taking that away, right, Mark? Yeah, you're taking exactly you're taking that away, but you still have enough players. It, yeah. France likes to counter against teams that are better than Morocco. I think versus yeah. Morocco, they're going to be able to you know move the ball fine. And uh, I think Chalmany and Varan and Upamakano will will sweep up these counterattacks better than the teams that Morocco have placed again. And it's right. the problem for Morocco for me, even just thinking as um, thinking in abstract 
or th- thinking um, not as tactically. It just I I don't remember a team having to beat a team like Spain, a team like Portugal, and a team like France. It just it seems <laughs> like you're up, you're running your luck a bit too much. Yeah. Um. So I, I think France could easily the only way through for the them, level of though, concentration is, you need to sustain. Yeah, exactly. Like Greece is the only one I can remember that did it. Exactly. And this isn't that same team. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's just. It's just too. It's just too difficult. Um. Although I'll be rooting for them very much. So, and the only way through I think is a Loris error. I think Loris. He made some. Like you're saying, he made it. He made a couple of decent saves against England. But I thought. He, I think he's just noticeably. At least to my eye, he's <laughs> noticeably not as not as good as the other keepers. Yeah. Um. I remember at the end at the end of the match against Poland, he. The ball came in in a key moment, and he caught. It was just a very easy cross to him, and he spilled it, even though no one was contending with yeah, him. And I, I just saw the that, look. Yeah. I saw the look in the defender's eyes. They were just like, "Jeez, what? Like, what are we doing with this guy? Like, we can't, you know." And so it's bizarre that he's the one breaking all their records in terms of caps at the moment when he's just seems like the obvious weak point in in the team. I think Giroud being in the team, um, although it's sad for Benzema that his French. That international career has been such a flop. Um, you know, when surrounded by these, he won't players, care if he wins the World Cup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bench so, player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like Giroud, it's just the fact that he just. I mean, he was a. He, I thought he was a really brilliant player at Arsenal. I didn't understand a lot of the negative press around him at the time. I thought the combination play that he does elevates him above what he's seen as just a guy who's heading the ball. And I thought he's really good for Chelsea as well. And he's just kind of not really given a, the fairest chance. And England goes over to Italy, you know, wins the title. Now he's clearly like the probably the best number nine in, in the tournament. Um, so it's hard to see him not getting a goal if Morocco just packs it in. I think he'll, you know, he'll get his typical header goal. Um, also, yeah, Croatia. I think Croatia is going to win de- definitely. I, I'm I, the only thing. The only thing. You both said Netherlands is going to win too, so. <laughs> Well, I that's true. That's true, but yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it, it's not that I thought Netherlands was like I thought that was that game was very much a toss up, which which it, which it proved which it to was. be. Yeah. And, but but Croatia is a much better team than Netherlands. Yeah, it's significantly better. And Argentina, I I don't know. I don't even know if I even want them to win anymore after their display against against Netherlands. You know, right? It's like I don't know. What do you think, Osman? Two 0 Croatia. Uh, five-one France. Oh, that's a <laughs> that's a brave considering this World Cup. Um, I don't know. Well, you know, I I I think I agree with both sets of what what you guys have said. Morocco with their injuries. If they weren't with injuries, I, I think they could have. You know, they they could have sneaked it. Um. So okay, so if France reached the final, okay, if if that's something that is probably the most um likely of all scenarios i'm thinking is it gonna be are you gonna have two like just thinking about the odds from a distance right not not actually how they're playing and so on how likely is it to have two consecutive finals in the same teams contesting france Mm -hmm. croatia (laughs) okay so that that's one thing that's just you know i'm thinking about second thing is if let's just say argentina germany or argentina it back to back in was it 80 no 86 90 no, it's happened before, but would you expect yeah, France yeah. and Croatia to do it? Um, that that's oh right, <laughs> right. that's yeah, what right. I mean. 
Um, so that that's one thing that I mean, okay, Croatia makes it to the World Cup final pretty, you know, of course they deserve to, and I think they could have even won the last final, but the same final yeah, happening exactly. again in four years' time, it's just kind of okay, wow, that happens. Um, but wouldn't bet on it immediately. And then if let's just say Argentina go through, even though I think Croatia, this is going to be their sternest test and they'll really need to pull something out to um, um, get past them. But it's I, I, where I was thinking, I was thinking they're going to play Brazil and get knocked out here. I'm feeling a lot better about this game, that at least there is some chance over here. Um, I, I'm going with what Rehan said. I think if it goes to penalties, I think they will get knocked out. I think they'll have to beat them within 120. I, I, that, that's my sense, though. I don't know why I think that. Uh, the last thing is if Messi plays two World Cup finals, he's going to lose both. This is going to be it's a bit strange. So I think, <laughs> like, you know, who's going to, again, I mean, I wouldn't like thinking about it from. A slight distance, you know, whether time or space, but this guy played two finals and he lost them both is kind of, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. So I think, I, I think I'm, Argentina um, also now to counter some of what I've said, we had two upsets out of four in the quarterfinals. So, you know, I mean, the odds would be that at least one of the semifinals would also be an upset. Um, I'm still I think hoping. It- yeah. Well. I think if Croatia makes the final, no, I'm sorry. I think if Croatia makes the final, they win the final. I think if Argentina makes the final, they might have their Brazil versus Germany moment. I think France is the type of team that will see all of these very clear weaknesses of this Argentina team. That's the that's the team they can't cope with, to my eye. So maybe just let them down easy. Let well, them I mean, down now. what would be just... great is Argentina make the final, Morocco make the final, Morocco win. I don't care about Morocco. <laughs> you know, Morocco has to win. Then, you know. yeah, this yeah, is what yeah, I'm totally. hoping for. But the thing is, this France team, even though they haven't looked vulnerable, they uh, they aren't the same as last time. And yeah. those, yeah, Chomeni is playing really, really well. Rabiot is playing really, really well. But they're not at that level consistently, consistently yet. I think... Um, if they're really challenged in it, it, they played up one nil for so long in that game um, that it wasn't a fair nil nil game state, like that type of challenge. So if they, if an Argentina, I, what I mean is it won't come down to as much just Messi or Mbappe as the other battles. And it really, for me, I'm biased, but a lot comes down to like a player like Enzo, if he can, really <laughs> dominate Rabio, which I think he can in the midfield or like, you know, if he, uh, yeah. if he has one of those games where he just plays out of his mind, which I think, I think his level is really, really high already. Um, and so like I, the Croatia issue, we talked about how weak it would be like their left back is and that worry against Messi and uh, Di Maria, etc. But Brazil really didn't exploit the fact that they had a fourth central midfielder just playing right yeah. mid. And yeah, like, yeah, seriously. So I think that this is, you're kind of riding that. Uh, just like they did beat some bad teams, Canada, Belgium, you know, like that. Was, I mean, they didn't beat Belgium, but, you know. So I think Croatia is, their weaknesses are lower than than they've been. They haven't been exploited. You know, it, it's kind of, 
Um, that's what, what worries me. I see them as a team without weaknesses because even though the outside back, <laughs> look, it's like even though their yeah. outside backs are bad, the way that the team plays just compensates compensates right, right. for it. I, I really, I really think so. They, they're, they're so they're yeah. to me they're the most coherent team. Now I'm not saying they're the best team necessarily, but mm-hmm. they're the, every every as soon as they're in possession, the ball always goes where it's supposed to go, every yeah, totally. time. And when it's out of possession, okay, they have a shitty left back. They're playing. I don't think Di Maria is the man to to exploit anyone really at this point in his career. I think he might just have a, a magical moment in him, but I don't think he's really giving any defender nightmares at this point. Um, I think he just pretty much passes back as soon as you you know go tight to him at this point in his career. Whereas I think for you know just the last points, I think I think the problem with Argent Argentina versus France for for Argentina isn't the midfield. It's it's that it's 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 Dembele and Mbappe and them yeah. just being able to stretch stretch the game out is something we haven't really had to see Argentina yeah. contend with since Saudi Arabia <laughs> they did yeah. not look like they wanted to run at all um, and so yeah. and I hate to the, say this <laughs> as much as the, the, all this talk about Lisandro Martinez being too short in the Premier League was just stupid in. In club yeah, football, yeah. it's like, no, you have ball-playing defenders. They can be yeah. short. Um, you can, at this level, you can't consistently go to a back five with him being matched up potentially against um, Olivier Giroud and, yeah. <laughs> or something like that, you know? It, 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 isn't that an odd point? Because Jamie Carragher, I remember when they signed Lissandro, I was listening to Sky Sports or whatever, Jamie Carragher, very accomplished center back, obviously, was just like, who does his research? He usually, I mean, he usually yeah. he knows what he's like. He's like, this guy is not going to work. Like he interrupted the conversation. This guy is not, and you can't. He's not good. He's not going to work. He's too short. I, I think. Mean, this, I think that all that conversation that. happened after they lost four 0 to. Kind of remember. It, it did. It did, but it wasn't because Lissandro got posted up and you know and, and got headed on three times. <laughs> it's just interesting whether I, I I never thought about that with like Mastrano. I mean, Puyol wasn't particularly tall either. His hair made it seem like he was taller than he was. Right. So, yeah. But the idea is, you know, I guess, depending on how possession heavy your team is, uh, it's that's when it becomes an issue. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Well, um, I, I still think Argentina will probably sneak it, but it'll have to be, I think, like you guys are saying, someone else other than Messi. I think they're going to take care the of the more Messi. that we talk, I think they're going to. They're gonna shred Croatia a little bit. Like, no way, <laughs> man! Now, shred, shred. I oh think Enzo gosh. just picks it up and like I think they they shred a bit. Yeah, but th- that is one of the other players after <laughs> step. I mean, either Enzo or and can't see Alvarez doing it in, in that way, but maybe Di Maria. I mean, I think they're going to really, really put Messi in a certain cage, which um, has. I mean, not, yeah, not and a good point about Alvarez is no, just a good point about Alvarez that he's been, had to play in the front two now as the reference point, which is a very different. It's not what he's used to. You know, he's like no. he's a good technical sport, striker who usually plays with three up top and interchanges, and uh, you know his yeah. movement was, is totally different when you don't have these wingers bombing up or being wide. So yeah. if Di Maria is healthy, I think it helps Alvarez a lot. Um, it just By the way, because you, the structure. Yeah. Do you think he there's any chance he might play Lataro? I mean, I mean, he looked great at the end of the game. That turn, yeah. 
was was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, the turn was amazing. And the and scoring the penalty gives you the. Con I mean, the problem has been confidence, right? Yeah. That, that does exactly boost you a little. Wasn't bit. that didn't 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 either of you think it was odd that Di Maria didn't take a penalty? Like, yeah. why was the man substituted on like 110 minutes into the game then? I think that was because they didn't want to go to penalties, but I was still surprised that Montiel took one ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was having nightmare for, for Lautaro when he stuck when he I mean that's real Yeah. Real, yeah. That was I was like I was like, here it goes, he kicks it over, he costs Messi the World Cup and but actually Lautaro you know, has he scores good. I mean, whenever whenever he does take penalties, they're usually pretty good. Even this one. I yeah. mean I, I think this was a even if the keeper had Die of the right side have been tough save. That was a great penalty. Uh, they were all great penalties. I feel Paredes like one, penalty. Paredes was, yeah, that was the outstanding. Yeah. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He's just such a wonderful technical player. I wish he just could keep his head on straight more. Um, but the I, think, I feel like we didn't talk enough or just marvel enough at that Coop Miners free kick because yeah. <laughs> I've never had, like, I've seen in incredible moments before like but usually they're within the range of expectations right. and possible yeah, yeah, totally internally totally. and for everyone around me this is i was at a huge watch party and for both me internally and the room we just erupted in a way that yes, i've never absolutely. experienced because it's so outside even messi does the most incredible thing or like messi when he did that thing where he dribbled four people and scored Everyone was like, this is incredible, like nothing we've ever seen. But still, it's conceivable. This wasn't conceivable. And yeah. I've seen Coop Miners play a good amount. And I was very upset that he was taking the free kick because I was like, oh, he's going to blast this over. That's what he does. He's got a killer left foot and he knows it. And he just blasts these over. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, and Bruno tried that. Something similar. in the Yes, he tried that. Just, just passed the ball right to the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the type of thing. It looks really bad when it doesn't come off. <laughs> right. yeah. Especially in the 120th minute. It was like, really? You didn't <laughs> attempt a shot there? Um, <laughs> but I thought, you know, just on the same point, Rashford. Yeah, that's Rashford where I was going to go pretty, next. That was that a pretty was incredible. incredible. I don't know how he even hit the ball like that. I was um, saying that he's going to come on and do that Cristiano technique. And yeah, but... He, it's such thin margins. You have to do it perfectly. And he did. There's nothing else he could have done. That was unreal to go to the far post. You beat the keeper just like easily. With... You guys are Seriously, talking about the, how can he the go... second round, right? The one that No, the one he missed at the end, end of the game. game. Oh, the one he the missed at the end. Express. Oh, okay. okay. Seriously, uh... He went keeper side, which there shouldn't be any space. And Loris was nowhere yeah. near it. He was beating. I mean, how do you even do that? Yeah, I haven't been any, that, I mean, except for Rashford scoring in the second round, or was it against Wales? I think it was against Wales. There have been no free kick conversions, have there? That's a bit surprising. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the only one, Rashford against Wales. Well, there's also Morocco's um, against Belgium, Sabri's one. Yeah. But that yeah, was, yeah. yeah. More of a um, Courtois yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one, I mean, it was unreal. And it's that was like peak Ronaldo. That, yeah, that was peak That's Ronaldo. Peak Ronaldo and first peak Drogba did something similar, but but like he would usually go for a near post on that. Like that was unbelievable. It's a shame that didn't I thought, go in. I thought Rashford was really, I, I, you know, I'm backtracking and going against myself. From, from, a, from an England perspective, I was calling 
for like almost a year now to see Foden in the starting 11. And I thought he was really not good enough at all. Versus That's funny. France. Yeah, I, I don't think was, he was good. I thought it was really good. I, he is really good. But he I, mean, I thought he played really well against France in the he, in between in between one nil and one one, especially. He doesn't for me. He doesn't. It's not that he he plays poorly. It's it's that he he's not in a team with enough goals to put him there when you could be putting someone like Rashford on the field. For me. Mm. Uh, I, if you're going to be having this like incisive player that's just yeah. keeping it moving creatively, someone at the end it has to come and score, and yeah, that yeah. just hasn't been the case. Whereas, um, you know, Rashford, I thought er- earned his spot. Um, I thought, like for instance, and- the the French backs, how hard of a time they're having with Kane. I think they're very happy that there wasn't another forward running onto them, and there was just someone playing in the space and trying to cleverly combine, but not really. You know, maybe I thought he got his defender a decent amount, but well, I going to Rashford, <laughs> but you're right in terms of he he's had an amazing World Cup. Players that have yeah. increased their stock, he has played exactly. really well and he's played pretty decent for United throughout the year. I wonder if yeah. in their search for a number nine, they've been attached or you know, rumored to get Cody Gakpo for a while, which I don't think is a great idea. He's already 23, no. 24, he's not going to turn into a number nine. He wants to be a no. winger. Um, no. So wh- Rashford just shifting him into the number nine might be a great idea. Again, to try mm-hmm. it again, like he's got the confidence. I think he can do it. Yeah. I think he can do it too. It's not a knock on Foden. I just think that's just a hard team to get into. And Saka consistently just made that spot his to, own. To be fair. And on the other wing, I thought that was a mistake by putting Sterling in. Sterling, yeah. he like flew totally. back to England last week because his family's house got robber, uh, got burglarized or something. Like he's not in the know. right. He hasn't been around. He hasn't been playing well. Know. Why would you bring him on in that game? Especially when Saka's kind of on on it. Yeah. yeah, that's what Ian Wright said. And it's crude. It's it's crude. And I'm almost apologizing before I'm saying it, but I, you can imagine. If the joke hasn't been made, like that being a uh, someone robbing Sterling's house while he's away, the World Cup is just like the dumbest. Like, they're just like, well, we know he's not home, so <laughs> <laughs> like, we've seen him on the television. Like we're pretty sure that window, that light in the window, is not him reading. It's just like so ridiculous. Like it's such like crackpot thinking from the criminal. At least how I. Thought about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, what's it going to happen for England? <laughs> not their moment yet. Um, Luke well, Shaw anyway. also played well, just as it finishing off on England. I was, I was surprised with him. Played well in the World Cup. Also, Pepe's name is apparently Pep. It's the same thing as like Fred. <laughs> it's like Fred. J- it's the. It's not. Oh, I forgot. It's like not a frictive. It's almost like the pep, like the. But that's <laughs> and Norwegians. Yeah, it's pep, and that e is there because of um, because you're you're still mouthing the pep, but it's the breath. It's like there's two H's in Arabic, pep. and it's it's one of those. The one that is basically oh, just the oh. like the air yeah. coming out of your mouth. Yeah. So oh, that e oh. is the, that short vowel is a 
mini short vowel almost. So it's like peppa. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Ashwin, you heard it here first. Morocco over Croatia. All right, that's that's the final. <laughs> well, that might be the third place. You might watch the match eventually, anyway. I mean, that might be the third place. <laughs> yeah, I get a feeling we will. <laughs> well, well, let's see what happens um, next time that we log on. It will be returned to the mundaneness of club football, <laughs> comparably, relatively speaking. But um, yeah, we should have a winner next time we speak. Thank you all for listening.